We focused uh, on this issue uh, last week, uh, but I also felt that we hadn't fin- finished the conversation. It is the conversation of the moment, that being, of course, international students. There are over 900,000 international students in Canada. Uh, that's in 2023. Compare that to 10 years ago. There was 225,000 uh, international students studying here uh, in Canada. Uh, Ten years ago, foreign students brought in $8 billion uh, into Canada in regards to the fees that they were paying and their impact on the economy. Ottawa estimates that number is now $30 billion. All of that happening in the past decade. Now, as Canada continues to grapple with a housing crisis, the conversation is also turning uh, to international students and the impact that they're having, not just on the education system, but our housing uh, challenges as well. Multiple provinces, we are told, are pushing back on federal suggestions that an international student cap could help solve that problem, although many provinces say they haven't been consulted. Uh, Now, Immigration Minister Mark Miller, Housing Minister Sean Fraser, and Public Safety Minister Dominic LeBlanc have all indicated that Ottawa is considering a cap on student intake. Now, they've all made those comments for the last two or three weeks, and Global News has reached out to provincial and territorial governments. Uh, the territorial government of uh, Northwest Territory say they have been uh, talking or in contact with Ottawa, but um, the governments of British Columbia, New Brunswick, and Newfoundland have told Global News that they have not been consulted on any proposed cap. But that is the conversation. You see international students in downtown Vancouver, uh, throughout all our college, public colleges and university systems around British Columbia and many private schools as well. Uh, last week we spoke to our guest who has arrived uh, back here again because I think this is a situation and conversation uh, that needs to continue. Barj Jahan is a co-founder and director of the Canada India Education Society and he joins us again. Thank you for dropping by once again. Great to see you again, Jess. Yeah, this is uh, an issue that I'm just trying to wrap my head around. I think a lot of us are. Uh, and you had some great information because you've done lots of research on this issue. Uh, let's go back to our original conversation. Uh, Foreign students generally pay more than domestic students, uh, sometimes double, even triple, uh, and than what they pay. And what happens is we take that extra money and that subsidizes the domestic student and subsidizes our post-secondary student, uh, students. Uh, however, many have also said um, we have become addicted to those foreign student dollars, and they are significant. As I said, we've gone from $8 billion a year to $30 billion nationally. Uh, first and foremost, can you walk me through, those are national numbers, what do the numbers look like here in British Columbia in regards to students and the dollars the system is taking in? Uh, the numbers in BC approximately are 164,000 international students. Mm-hmm. Now, if we adjust that for the new arrivals, we're probably looking right now at about 180,000. Mm-hmm. And in British Columbia, we have 25 publicly funded institutions. Those are our universities, the BCITs of the world, and community colleges. Mm-hmm. They currently have about 79 international, 79,000 international students. So those are, are universities or colleges or BCIT yes. or technical schools. Okay. And Publicly when funded. we look at these universities, colleges and technical institutes collectively, yep. my estimate is that, that these international students are contributing $2.1 billion towards tuition fee, fees mm-hmm. and for their living expenses and so on. That's probably another $1.6 billion. So it's minimum three point. $7 billion just 
around the publicly funded institutions. So that's rents, that's tuition they're paying, total impact on the BC's economy, $3.7 billion yeah. in your mind. Okay. But then there's the other 80,000, 90,000 international students. Those are in the private institutions, and we don't have a really good handle on what they're contributing. So I would hazard a guess mm-hmm. that we're looking at 6 to $7 billion dollars here in BC, by, brought in by international students. I mean, I think the the impact of our forest industry to provincial to our provincial GDP hovers around six billion dollars. So that is equal to or above what the forest industries forest industries impact on BC's economy. Yes. When it comes to foreign students, yes. now public institutions uh, like school, like universities and colleges, are accountable to the public. There is an openness there. Your thoughts on the private schools, because there's significantly more private schools and colleges that have opened up that these students apply for. They come here, they pay huge dollars for these courses and degrees. I don't know if they're worth much, but they seem to be just, it's an open field there, isn't it? Yes. When we look at Ontario and British Columbia, Mm -hmm. Ontario has the lowest domestic student contribution from Ontario. It's about $10,000 per domestic student to its public institutions. BC is number third lowest, and it's about 14000 for domestic students. So BC government's contribution through grants has only grown at about 2.5% per year. Okay, mm-hmm. Today, the tuition fees that is paid by international students might be greater than the grants that the government gives to its public institutions. Now, on the other hand, then, you have the this explosion in a lot of new private colleges, institutes set up, and they're designated as learning institutes, and they can enroll students for six-month-long programs, and then the students get a study permit. So what's going on there? That's where I think a lot of the issues are because they're not accountable. Even our universities and colleges, they they do provide public financial statements. They pro- provide details on revenues and so on. But very few are giving us a breakdown of what is the amount of tuition fees from domestic students, what is international, how many international students they have. So a lot of these accountabilities aren't there. In fact, no accountabilities are there for private institutions. Do you think some of these schools are set up just to take advantage of the international student boom? Well, you can see it because our province, starting back with the previous government, Ontario as well, mm-hmm. they, they either reduced or they capped domestic student grants, and then they really pushed international students, as did Premier Christy Clark in 2011. Mm-hmm. She said she wanted to double the number of international students. Now the thing is, it's gotten out of hand. Yeah. And do you think the housing challenge, though, is fair in regards to blaming um, international students? I would argue the federal government got out of the rental, purpose-built rental business uh, since probably the 80s. And, and in the 90s, it got even worse under the under the federal liberals at that time because they're fighting the deficit, eliminating the deficit. And there, there was a priority for that, and the public wanted to see that, and I admit that. But we've got away from building rentals, and one would argue that is why we're in the, the problem that we have today in regards to supply. And international students may exacerbate that problem, but they didn't cause it. And they're still not the main reason behind it. It's really about our poor foresight from decades ago. Well, there are unintended consequences. With these many students coming in, where are they going to live? Langara College and Kwantlen. They have the highest percentage of international 
students out of all of the institutions. Langara and Kwantlen? Langara and Kwantlen. Zero housing. So you open up the province, our international, our universities and colleges, then you allow new private institutions to grow. Students are coming now in hundreds of thousands. Where's the housing? So it's a collective failure on all levels of government, as well as the post-secondary education system. Mm -hmm. The private bodies, colleges and schools, there's no requirement for them to provide any housing. Neither is there a requirement on our universities and colleges to provide housing. Mm -hmm. So the revenues are coming in, but that housing piece has been totally neglected. Uh, you talked about uh, letting in uh, international students and the percentage of uh, of these schools that have a very high uh, participation from international students. Uh, you mentioned Kwantlen and Langara. Uh, what percentage of Kwantlen's student body is now international students? 37%. 37%. And Langara is 32% and the University of British Columbia is 27%. So that's one, two, and three in regards to yes. the highest percentage. In, in BC. In yes. BC. And these are the public institutions. Yes. We don't know anything about the private institutions we are to. Yeah, I won't name any private institutions, but there are a number of them that have multiple campuses throughout the city, throughout Metro Vancouver. Yeah. You go to their websites, there's hardly any transparency. Mm-hmm. How many students they have, what the fees are. You have to kind of work through and calculate the fees. That is where lies the problem. So then what happened in the last three, four years is more and more students start coming in, more and more immigrants starts coming in. Now, Canadians who were owning a house, renting a suite, they started money coming in. They said, well, let's buy another house. And now they bought a house, now they're renting. There are instances of students who came two years ago Mm -hmm. who rented a house, now they're sub-renting it. Really? They're sub-renting it to students, and students are making those arrangements from abroad before they even come here. It's gotten that bad. It, It is really bad. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, our guest is Barge Dahan, co-founder and director of the Canada-India Education Society. We're talking about capping the amount of international students arriving in Canada, a huge part of the conversation nationally and provincially as well. Our guest, uh, Barge Dahan, co-founder and director of the Canada-India Education Society, uh, just went through some of the numbers and how reliant we are here in British Columbia, almost well, over $6 billion uh, international students are now contributing uh, from our public institutions and our private institutions as well, um, to the point where I think the government has become reliant on those dollars and universities and colleges certainly have been reliant. What do you think should we put a cap on international students arriving in this country? 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell phone. Let's go to Fred in Surrey. Hi, Fred. Hey, Jess, how are you doing? I'm doing well. What is on your mind? Well, absolutely, there should be a cap because these students are suffering they cannot find uh, they cannot find proper accommodation. But my question is, how does it affect in terms of our students, the local students, in competing for a uh, space, you know, in, in the university or college? If if I think the the prime minister and his government has abused our immigration system just to increase the number of people coming here just to study, these people have been given full employment rights. Are they here to work? Or are they here to study? Mm-hmm. Which one is it? I'm really confused. Fred, thanks for your call. Appreciate it. I mean, Fred does touch on something. Uh, generally, the response from a politician will be, hey, they don't. They actually subsidize the system. It doesn't impact the local population. So be it. Let's just say we, we, agree, that, we agree with that 100%. 
But as you say, when the numbers are at 37% of international students for a particular public institution, in this case, I think it was uh, Kwantlen, 32% for Langara, and 27% of students at UBC uh, are international. Uh, and the people come, they work hard. I, that I understand. But it does dilute, one would argue, our reputation of our education system when we are so reliant on, on international students to actually subsidize it. You're absolutely right on that. Uh, the reality is that our universities and vast majority of our community colleges, which are publicly funded, they're great institutions. They're accountable. Their quality of education is world-class for many of them. And many of the students, foreign students, studying in those institutions, they are here to study. It's the ones that are in the private institutions. There are, there are something like 200 and 45 private institutions that are providing six-month courses. And those students, I'm not sure what quality of education they're getting. Quality is variable from institution to institution. And that is where lies the problem. And even our three major, uh, the, the three, three institutions that have the largest percentage of international students, they're actually very vulnerable. They're, when you have 37% of your population international, you're relying on those students to fund your operations. So Kwantlen, Langara College are potentially at risk if yeah. somehow the number of students were cut off right away or yeah. it was slowed down. It's not like you're, you're going walking away from that funding slowly. It happens quickly. You're in trouble. The next thing you're sitting in Victoria, you're just essentially the taxpayers saying we need more money. So the system has become addicted to those dollars, one would argue. Uh, let's go to Richmond, uh, Richard sorry, in Coquitlam. Hi, Richard. Yes, good afternoon. Uh, I, I love the topic. Um, first and foremost, I'll declare uh, we absolutely need the international workforce or much of our economy wouldn't even run. I'll acknowledge that. Um, you know, touched on the, the level of education, uh, the, the public systems, absolutely. The secondary systems, those people are not here for an education. They're here as part of their process toward the permanent residency application, which again, I, I don't have an issue with. I think we should have a cap on the immigration, especially the international students, because we can't protect them when they get here. They're completely taken advantage of. Um, I refer to it as even modern day slavery as there's, you know, they become indentured slaves to their employers, to their schools, to their consultants. And I'd like to see a cap so that we can actually manage that and give them the welcome that they deserve in Canada instead of setting them up for extortion and, and you know, really modern day slavery, I say. Yeah, Richard, thank you for your call. I mean, that kind of nails it on the head, doesn't it? It does. There are stories out there. There's some documentation taking place where students who complete six months, they want to work. The government right now allows them to work 40 hours. There's no accountability or tracking whether they're continuing their studies or not. And then they try to find employers who will take them through the PR process, which is the permanent residency process. And then that student as an employee is bound to that employer. And that opens it up to abuse. Yeah. Barge, uh, I think we're going to have to have you come back. We've got so much more still to talk about this issue. I hope you can come back uh, this week. We'll get you back for sure. I'd be happy to come back.